Cheers, Michael. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Can we just stand for a moment? Let's just welcome the Lord Jesus once more and prepare our hearts. Lord Jesus, we love you with all our hearts. We love that you called us, you saved us, and you're forming us for your glory. We welcome you here once more. We thank you for that amazing, stirring word last week, Lord, that we're still living in the good of. Lord, would you give us the ability just to put everyone to the one side? I just hear you, not hear a man, not hear anything else, but hear you speak, encourage, and strengthen our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we got words up there. We just need to get them on the main screen. Okay, my title this morning is The Four Most Dreaded Words You Ever Hear. The results are in. The results are in. Whether you're 75 waiting on a blood test or whether you're 17 waiting on an exam result or whether you're 18 sitting in a driving instructor's uh, car, the results are in. And 20 to 5 every single Saturday in life is one of these moments. Well, most Saturdays. And so I want to talk today about results, supernatural results. And uh, we're just preparing for one, two of the parents to come back. And, you know, results don't always go the way you want. And a um, little fun story get, get us started. Yesterday, I, I did a little detour into Halfords, as I often do. And I ogle out of these fantastic new bikes that come out. And, and, and I look at the 17-inch frames, the 21-inch frames. I'm just, I just love all the shapes of the new frames and the wheels and the bikes. And in the back of my mind, I can hear there's a conflict going on. I hear this voice that says, in a very loving way, you know, the streets are not all that safe these days for people of your age. And you know, when your, your wife says that to you, what you hear is you're a daughter old geezer, not to be trusted out on your own. And uh, no, that's, that's ever crossed their mind, those words. But anyway, so, uh, but you're still, there's this conflict. And I'm battling myself, I'm checking out this frame and that frame and the prices and back to work schemes and everything, having a great chat, just loving it and thinking, should I or should I not? Or am I daughtery or am I not? And I'm arguing with myself as I step outside Halfords. And as I cross the street, I hear this horn blaring its head off. And a man in his car screaming at me because I've literally just walked out hard first straight in front of his car. How many know that the Lord's answers, results come? In ways that you don't, his whispers come in ways you don't always expect. But he always, in the Bible, it says he confirms it with two witnesses. Because, you know, once, once sometimes you go, well, maybe that was a coincidence. So we're standing worshiping this morning. And Lindsay sings this line in a song. I don't know if you picked it up yourselves. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. <laughs> so, don't sing that again, Lindsay. Anyway, the Lord is good, and uh, we want to talk about results today. I want to talk about supernatural results. 
And do you want, the, the, the minute you open your Bible at Genesis, right through to Revelation, you discover actually God is all about results. He created every single thing he created, it was to produce a result. When he put the sun in the sky, he got a result from it. When he put the moon in the sky, he got a result from it. When he put the seed in the ground, it was so that there would be a result. When he put animals on the earth, it was so that there would be results. And when he came across one that didn't have the results, the fig tree, he cursed it. Wouldn't it be great if you left here today with a faith lift and an insight that sent you home expecting a whole new level of daily results in your life in a supernatural way. I want to say something outrageous right at the start here that um, I honestly believe this is biblical, that the number one reason, the number one reason people fail, people get sick, and even get depression is the absence of daily wins. The absence of daily results. Now, you may want to write that, write that down because it's so brilliant because I just made that up. Anyway, but it's good. The absence of daily wins. The absence of daily results. And I'll show you in Scripture crystal clearly where that comes from. In the beginning, God put Adam and Eve upon the earth to come up with amazing results. They certainly came up with results not all good. Do you know that almost every single place Jesus went and everything he did was so he'd get a result? He blessed, God blessed with talents. And that great story about the talents. But the one that didn't come up with a result, the one who was lazy and buried his talent, he's looking for results from each of them, whether you're 10 or one talent. And the one who buried it in laziness and didn't come up with any results, he was punished. One talent was taken from him and given it to others. Results I love. There's nothing gives you more joy and equally more pain than results at time. But results are a great thing. Ladies, when you go and spend that extra X amount of money into the hairdressers and you come home to your man, you're looking for a result. Like my two grandchildren were in my face when I came in this morning and followed me everywhere, followed me everywhere. And I said, can I get you something? They said, no. And finally they said, we got our hair cut yesterday. Uh-uh. You're meant to notice these things as granddads. They're looking for a result. Poor little souls will take about a week to recover. But I want to start with a biblical basis for this theory I'm presenting to you today. And it's Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Woofed, hope deferred. In other words, things you hope for 
and the results didn't come through can cause your heart to get sick like no other things. A hope is nothing more than a result you're hoping for. And when it doesn't show up, one biblical explanation of this is this. Delay in the accomplishment of some desired good occasions, sinking of the spirits, languor, and despondence. That is a beautiful explanation of hopes deferred. But the flip side is brilliant. It says, but a desire fulfilled, let me put it in my street language, but a result is a tree of life. A result is a tree of life. When I asked OBE Anthony Delaney, whose book was just literally in the publishers, if he could deliver 50 books here for men's curry night, he said, Jimmy, the publishers, it's a nightmare. I don't think we can get one book out. It's just wonderful to walk, to hear yesterday, all 50 books have arrived with a 60% discount. How many people like results now and again, no matter how big or small? Come on, guys. Didn't even ask for a discount. Results. Even if you're going through a tough time and you might say, well, you know, I don't know about me because I'm going through a time and, and my faith is small. Well, the Bible makes it clear you only need faith size of a mustard seed. And even if you're in a bad place, low place, struggling place, you can still move mountains. I pray that God will bless you today and send you home full of confidence, full of hope, and full of new ideas and how to bring about daily results in your life you're hoping for. We're going to look at two men in the Bible, kings of results, I would call them. One had the most amazing results, yet he blew it. The other one had probably even more amazing results, and he didn't blow it. He continued to have amazing results. And I want us to see why. In 1 Kings 17, uh, Elijah prayed, and he said this amazing thing. He said, he said, it won't rain again until I say so. And it didn't rain for three years. Hey, how about that result for your summer holidays, Michael? Elijah then prayed for the widow's boy who had died and raised them from the, de from the dead. Result. In 1 Kings 18, the game changes slightly, and in verse 30 it says, Then Elijah called the people to him, and he said, They all crowded round him as he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribe of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar. Keep in mind, the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal had challenged them. They were going to do their evil magic stuff and bring about the rain. I, Elijah in this moment, he's the king of results. He's basically like, do what you like, but I'm the results man. 
Then he dug a trench around the altar after they'd done all the dancing and done all the rituals and done all the demonic stuff to cut the rain. Not a flicker of rain. Elijah's having fun now. He's taking the mick out of them. And then comes his turn. He says he dug a trench around the altar and he put three gallons of water there. He put wood on the altar, water on the altar, and he cut the bull into pieces and he laid the pieces of wood. Then he said, fill four more jars of water and pour the water off their offering. After they'd done this, he said, do the same thing again. This thing is soaking, soaking wet. When they were finished, he says, do it a third time. So they did. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench. At the same time, for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove that you today are the God in Israel, and I am your servant. Prove I have done this at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Immediately. Anybody, am I the only one in here that just likes results? Does anybody else here like results? You know, you go for that pregnancy test. And it comes back, yes. And you're broken heart because you're a man. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, no you, know, you know that thing, yes, results. It says that immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stone, the dust, and it even licked up all the water in the trench. When the people saw it, they fell face down and they cried, yes. He is the Lord, and he is God. In verse 1 of the next chapter, the whole thing changes. We got the king of the results. He's raising the dead. He's defeating 450 evil prophets. Then the game changes. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, Jezebel, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets in Baal. So Jezebel sent his message to Elijah, may the God strike me and kill me by this time tomorrow if I've not killed you as then. You can't believe the next line. You cannot believe the next line. He's just defeated 450 of the most evil prophets on earth. And it says, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. It's fascinating what it did is he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He didn't even take him with him. He did what we all do. We go alone into the wilderness. And he traveled all day. He sat under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. That's what you call bad result. That's what you call what some people call the black dog of depression. He don't want to live anymore. How could it be? that the king of results is sitting, kissing the black dog of depression. The contrast this with the other man who came down the mountain. In Matthew 8, it says, check this out for results. We'll quickly fry through it. This is what you call results. When Jesus came down the mountainside, large crowds followed him, Matthew 8, 1. And a man with leprosy came, a leper, incurable came and knelt before him and, and said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. Jesus reached out one hand, touched the man. He said, I'm willing, be clean. Boom. Result. Then Jesus said to him, go and tell no one. And then Jesus in verse 5 had entered Capernaum and a centurion came to him and said, Lord, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, 
suffering terribly. Jesus does the business. Boom. Result. When Jesus came into Peter's house, it says that he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in the bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she got up and began to wait on him. Result. When evening came, many who were demonized were brought to him and he drove the demonic spirits out of them with a word and he healed all the sick. Imagine checking these results out in 20 to 5 on a Friday night. Switch BB, see one of the sports results. Demons flee, storms stop, whole list. When Jesus saw the crowd in verse 18, he said he crossed the lake. And, and um, in verse 23, it says, Jesus gets into the boat and his disciples follow him. There's a key to results right there. Suddenly, a furious storm came in the lake and the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him and they said, save us. Jesus is basically saying, oh, you guys of little results. He said, you guys of little faith, why are you so afraid? He fixes the storm. It's completely calm. Boom is a result. Verse 28, last one in this chapter. When he arrived at the other side, two demon-possessed men come out from the tombs to meet him. They were so violent, they got signed for Glasgow Rangers. No, I'm just joking. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them was a large herd of pigs, and the demons begged Jesus. Guys, the demons are having a conversation with Jesus. Supernatural intervention requires a supernatural result. So he said to them, go, and they came out. The demons went out into the pigs, and the whole heart rushed into the water. Two stories, two great beginnings, two completely different ends. Of course, Elijah didn't end there, neither did Jesus. What's the difference? One, paid attention to God and God alone. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. And when Elijah was doing that, he was getting results. The minute he stopped listening to God, that he listened to Jezebel, boom, the supernatural results stopped. Jezebel said she would kill him. 450 had just already said it. He didn't believe in him. He was, he's listening to God at that point, I believe. Then the devil gets into his head, I believe, and, and actually convinces him he's alone. How many ever people ever feel in that moment when the results don't show up? You're all alone. Because once you let, I mean, 
How many of you can remember the very first time you heard about the 9-11 hijackers? Who can remember that moment? Who can remember that moment? One of the most shocking moments in history. What have I told you? There's a shocking moment happens almost every day to you and I. We don't even notice it's happening sometimes. What have I suggested to you that the hijacker shows up in your house and mine most days? And if you listen to him, you open the aircraft door to him, and he never comes alone. He never comes alone. We saw that in Elijah. That the hijacker, the devil himself, he always comes with his pet. Some people call it the big black dog. The big black dog of depression. And he came and just said something to Elijah, but then he brought the dog with him. He brings a dog of depression, and now Elijah's so depressed. Can you believe it? He's dancing and mocking the prophets yesterday, and today he's kissing the dog of depression. And when that big dog shows up, you open the aircraft to the hijacker, and he brings his dog in. I'm telling you, it's not easy to get that dog out the aircraft, but it's possible. And so once Elijah had got there, the grace of God was still with him. And he gives him four beautiful things to get him back to the place where he's getting the most amazing results. The most amazing results. I honestly believe you and I should be waking up in the morning in faith, expecting results that day on a supernatural level. Now, you don't know what the result is if you don't know what you want in the first place. I spent most of the week, or most of my spare time, like a crazy old hippie, looking on eBay for the wonderful, most wonderful Levi pedal button shirts that you used to get all those years ago. Hunted high and low and hunt high and low, hunt high and low, and I'm looking at prices and sizes, price, nothing. You give up. And the Lord is good when he takes away your sweetest frame because when I came in this morning, someone had a gift in a bag for me, a most amazing, faded, real McCoy, pearl studded, Levi, sharp. I call that a result. Go on, give it up, guys. It's a bit fun. It's a bit fun, but it's brilliant. And it's as important to me as anything, because if my God says it takes care of the hairs on your head, every single little thing God does is magic. And religious folk will freak out at me using the word magic. You know what I mean? I'm using it loosely, not <laughs> how's your father devil and all that. All right. Four things, four things, four things to shift us from where we are to the place of amazing daily results. If you begin to see numerous daily wins, no matter how small or big in your life, I promise you the big dog will flee forever if he's even hanging around. Number one, get up the mountain every morning and listen. Get up the mountain every morning Jesus got results because he got with his father and he heard from him. 
And if you don't know what I mean, listen to Alan's sermon from last week about how to get up the mountain. Unbelievable, phenomenal talk. You get up the mountain by worshiping. Get yourself up early in the morning. Get five minutes or an hour, whatever. Get your worship. Start worshiping the Lord. Start climbing the mountain and praise and worship. Get into his presence. Get into his presence. Get up the mountain. That's what, that's what God said to Elijah. Get up the mountain. Don't stay in the valley. Where's George? George, could you just come up and tune up that machine, that axe of yours for a wee minute? George, can we get a wee taste of that intro? For, for Any chance we get a wee taste of that intro for... Is it ready yet? Tell the truth, you have no slept this week. You've been working on it at night. Right, just get yourself ready. And so the first thing he said, get out of that valley. That valley of disappointment. Get out of that valley of the past. Get out of that valley of fears. Get out of that valley of sickness. Get out of that valley of suicide, Elijah. Get your butt out that valley and get yourself back up the mountain where the presence of the Lord is. And praise and worship and praise and worship. 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 If you think you feel stupid doing that, then put a tea cozy on your head, get a brush, pretend you're Elvis Costello in your bedroom, and jump about like a loony. If you don't jump about like a loony for Jesus, you'll never jump again, because that's what David did until his drawers were shown, and they got him in big trouble. Who's up for being crazy for Jesus? Come on. Give them your all. That's what love is. That's what love is. Love is doing the crazy thing for somebody. Love is doing the crazy thing the thing that no one else would do. And, and Thursday, we're going to start with this because Joe Cardo, the par striker, is going to be, into, he's going to be in, interviewed on, Tuesday, on, on Thursday night here at Curry Blitz Night. We got, you know, when I started this thing, I, I, I got them to make 100 tickets. And then you wake up in the morning, oh, how do I get a result? Will anybody invite anybody? Will anybody bring a friend? That's what I woke up yesterday morning as I began to worship, pray, 8.30 in the morning. And then I thought, well, if I don't invite anybody, how come, will anybody else? And so I sent a text to Pastor Sam Campbell with Peterhead. I said, Sam, this is insane because you live about two hours away, but I got good news for you. You're bringing a carload of men to our curry night and you're gonna bring fit men because we're gonna have a wheelbarrow battle race between Motherwell, Edinburgh, Dundee, Dunfermline, and Peter Heed. 8.35 yesterday morning, I'll be there with a the car, Lord. He, he, men can't refuse a challenge. I text uh, Hope, Mark Ralston, probably one of his best testimonies I've ever heard, a man of God, in Motherwell. Mark, are you, are you ready for curry night? You, got, you up for brigand? Anyway, the long story short, there are 20 people in cars coming, and uh, I call it 20 results, and here was me doubting whether anybody would come. Come on, let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be great fun. But Joe Cardo... We're going to interview him because you finish the season, your dancing is great, won the championship, and then two days later, the reality hits you. 
Men are struggling. You don't even know if you've got a job anymore. You're a champion, but today you don't even got, got a job. You don't even know if you've got a mortgage. You don't even know if you could rent a house. You don't even know if you can go your holidays. You don't even know if you buy a kid a bite. Because this life is full of challenges. And without faith, everybody's going to get stuck. So he is up for being interviewed on the struggle so-called sports star face in the real world. Let's give it up, fam. Looking forward to that. Friday. And George, to make him feel welcome. See, you can't do normal worship in a straightforward men's meeting like that. But, but you can get away with a bit of Christian karaoke. And uh, George is going to do, he's going to honor Joe. We're playing that song, that, a little bit of a song that the parts come out to every week. Because the words in it are awesome. Into the valley. And, 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 and the Lord is coming into the valley. He says, even if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, even if, it's, even if it's death valley. I said death valley, not valley field. Even if you're in death valley. When I was 17, that was death valley out there, by the way. Anyway, give us a bit of intro, George, if you can. Oh, come on, you can clap. Elijah's in the lowest place. He's lost the plot. And he has a message for him. Get your butt up the mountain, Elijah, and stop feeling sorry for yourself. Let's give it up to the Lord God for that one. Come on. George, brilliant, man. Brilliant. You just need to get one of the punk hairstyles for Thursday night, George. <laughs> Verse 11, he puts it this way. Elijah, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Even if you're busy with your children, ladies, just put a little worship on in the background. Just put a little worship on. Just let God take your spirit back up the mountain. Take him up, but take up the mountain. Second thing, as the Lord's doing that, see that hijacker and that black dog is on your shoulder. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Don't let it hang around. Don't let it keep. The Bible says, take every thought captive. That's true. But the, the Bible also says, you bind a strong man. And the devil comes in like a strong man telling you you're no good. You've got five failed marriages. You're this, you're that. You're this, you're that. You've got to stop that thing. And you've got to bind that thing. You've got to bind that devil's mouth. And I want to encourage you. You see... It says in that next verse, a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. That's what the devil will do. He'll come and just try to tear your thoughts apart, tear your hopes apart, tear your dreams apart. But God said, he's not in that. And then it says, the next thing came was an earthquake an earthquake, the hijacker will try to come to you in the form of an earthquake. 
that thing that you were trusting in, that thing you were hoping in, you know, before you know it, your whole family life is shaken. Before you know it, your whole work life is shaken. Before you know it, your whole finance is shaken. Before you know it, your whole confidence is shaken. Before you know it, your mind is shaken and you're getting depression at three in the morning you can't sleep. And the Lord wants you to know loud and clear, he's not in that. And if he's not in that, who is? My suspicion is that it's the hijacker and the big black dog. So pay no attention when that tax thing comes through or that bad news comes through. You must switch off the hijacker and his big black dog and come back because Jesus only saw and heard and did what the father told him to do. And it says after the, after the wind, there was an, an earthquake. Then after the earthquake came a fire. You don't have to put your hand up, but you've all been in that moment where it feels like you're so burned up. Everything about you that you were hoping for dreams, all your reserves, they're so burned up. You feel so burned up. There's nothing left but embers. Well, I got great news for you. He's not in that fire either. So you're not going to pay no attention to it or listen to it. He's not in that fire to burn you up and destroy you. The hijacker and his big black dog is. Third point, very quickly. It says this. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. If you will wait, when you worship the Lord, kick a devil alive, and each morning, if you just wait on his whisper, take a pen and paper and write down the three things or the seven things, whatever he whispers to you. If you do those things, you will get amazing results. He may just say, hey, go visit that sick person. Hey, just give that one a call and tell him Jesus loves him. Hey, just go and get some food and visit that person. Hey, just go and pray for that sick one. Whatever he whispers to you is supernatural and will bring about the most amazing results in your life. The difference between Elijah and Jesus was this. When Elijah came down the mountain, he took his eyes off the mission. When Jesus came down the mountain, he had his eyes were fixed on the mission. If you keep your eyes fixed on the mission, no matter how many times the black dog visits you, no matter how many times it tells you you're not appreciated, you're not honored, you did this, 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 and you're disrespected. Is that your mom, son? And... Um, Nothing worse when you talk yourself into a distraction, eh? But if you listen, he will whisper to you, call this one, go see this one. The difference with Jesus was everything Jesus did kicked the hijacker or the black dog out of somebody's life. That's the mission. The mission is to destroy the works of the devil get them out of people's lives and get the kingdom and the good news of Jesus into people's lives. That's the mission. And Elijah blew when he come down the mountain. He stopped listening to the mission 
he stopped following the mission and he started to listen to a plonker. Jesus came down the mountain. He had tough days, but he never took his eyes off the mission. The mission is somebody out there needs love. Somebody out there needs Jesus. Somebody out there needs help. Somebody out there needs food. Somebody out there needs cheered up. And I promise you this, if you will wait and listen for the whispers and write the whispers down, number one, I'm going to call so-and-so. Number two, I'm going to call, I'm going to pray for so-and-so. Number three, I'm going to pray for so-and-so. Anthony Delaney, he's probably one of the most sought-after speakers, the author of this book in the UK at the moment. There's a brother doing a men's event and filling the whole of the Stokes City Football Club Stadium. Anthony is the main speaker. Anthony has an OBE for the work he does in his community. As Michael said, he was the headline speaker at Spring Harvest last night. He's in huge demand. And I felt the Lord say, whisper to me, go on your knees for this man and pray for him for an hour and just let him know you're praying for him. I, 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 I only know him a little bit. I met him in a bunkhouse in Haiti. And uh, a similar message, and he says, Jimmy, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but you're like my dad. And I said, why do you say that? He said, well, read the book. He knows nothing about me. I read the book. And I read it, and his dad was a crazy Irishman called Paddy. Exactly the same as my father. Uh, raised in the Garbos for 20 years. And I just felt, I'm, I'm just so glad I obeyed that, what seemed like a stupid whisper to text anybody. Stupid whisper, but for him, and you read the book, you could feel the pain when his dad died and the pain, just to know there was some kind of dad taking a minute to pray for him was all he needed to hear. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus for his whispers. I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, Jesus is gonna whisper to you this week like never before. And when that whisper is gonna, you, you, the whisper comes and then a voice, the black dog will come and say, well, you're gonna blow it. They're gonna think you're a weirdo. They're gonna, they're gonna reject you. They're not gonna come to your curry night. They're not gonna come for the invitation. They're not gonna do this, not gonna do that. And, and constantly the hijacker and the black dog's gonna be on your case. Men, if you've not invited somebody to curry night, please buy two tickets minimum. And even if you don't have anybody in mind, it's not gonna be like one of these strange nights, it's gonna be a powerful, encouraging night to help men. And ladies, ladies, I'm being honest with you, you're not the problem by a long chalk, the main problem a long chalk. If you pray for us, ladies, because I'm telling you, if we can get some men in this country set on fire for Jesus, it's gonna make ladies jobs a thousand times easier across the country because most prayer rooms are filled with ladies. Most kids' workers are ladies. Not all, we got some great ones here, but I'm telling you what, the ladies have carried the church for centuries and we're calling a million men back to rise up, back up the mountain, back up the mountain to fight for their ladies, fight for the children and fight for their faith. And the last thing is this, use your tongue to pour out thankfulness to God and quit repeating the devil's lies. Use your tongue to pour out thankfulness to God 
I love it in verse 13. It says, when Elijah heard this, it says he pulled the cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Brothers and sisters, when that mouth starts going, when the devil says you're no good and you, you agree with him, you say, I'm no good. When he says you can't do this and you agree with him, you say, I, I, I can't do this. When he says you're past it and you agree with him and say he's past it. When he says your bottom looks too big in that dress. That's uh, no, just a man. No, I'm just kidding about you, all right? Just a little space, guys, a wee bit of space. You know, when he says all these horrendous, horrible things and you speak it out, the moment you speak out in agreement with the devil, you're in agreement, you put yourself under a curse, and you'll struggle to get any results of any kind whatsoever. I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, to apply what the book of James says. Guard your tongue, because it's like a forest fire. If you let it loose, let me tell you something, if you let it loose, forget putting the forest on fire, forget putting the neighbors on fire, just start with yourself. If you let it loose, it will put you in a fire, and it will burn you up like no other thing. Let's quit listening and seeing what the devil's doing and using our Facebook or whatever to agree with them and confess negativity. Instead, begin to speak of the goodness of God, the glory of God, and the great things God has done for you and for me, none less than our salvation in Jesus' name. So in that moment, when you find that thing coming out your mouth, I always remember when I first got married, saying there's a hundred sayings my dad said, I will never say. And as soon as the boys were old enough to ask me for money, I found myself saying, do you think money grows on trees? The most stupid thing you could ever say. And I went, oh, no, my dad used to say that. And then, uh, hey, dad, can I get a bike? You want a bike, son? I'll give you a bike. Don't you worry about that. Poof. And I was like, oh no, I'm trapped in this thing. And there comes a point in your life where you have to, even some, whether it's your dad, the mom, good enemies, friends, there comes a time you have to put a cloak over that thing and quit confessing negativity, quit confessing loss, defeat, quit confessing your fears, well, quit confessing what might happen, start confessing. One lady in the town, lovely daughter, beautiful, maybe 19, 18, she came, oh, my daughter's a loser, she's a punk, she has so many earrings, she's tattoos, she's on drugs, she's drinking, she's this, she's that, she's the next thing. And um, I said, she's not the problem. I was like, oh man, I only met this lady twice, so I was risking it, standing at the cross in the Fairland High Street. I said, she's not the problem. I pray for her every night. I said, well, stop praying, because you're making it worse. Never, never told anybody to stop praying in my life before. Stop praying. This is why. I said, because you are the problem. You're praying what you see rather than what God sees. If you truly believe God has the power to transform her, if you truly believe he hears your prayers and he answers them, why don't you pray in faith and believe and then paint a picture in your head of what she looks like free from the drugs, free from the immorality, free from the destruction, free from the depression, free from the gang she's running around. Why don't you 
seed, answer to your prayer. And when you pray for your daughter every night, you now pray with love. You see her, oh, and love fills your heart and faith fills your heart. At the moment, you're just praying, she's a loser, she's a loser, she's a loser. You're putting her into the loser prison. But I promise you this, if you change the picture and start to visualize the answer to your prayers and begin to pray and thank God and every time you close your prayer, you pay the most beautiful answer to your prayers, I'm telling you now. And within one year, little by little by little by little God answered that ladies some of you know that young lady she used to come here I don't want to mention any names um, but it's wonderful to see God showed up and in one year she had her daughter back beautifully clean beautifully free on fire for Jesus Christ let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ let's have the band back up Guys, Corey Knight, we're calling you up the mountain. Ladies, guys here, we're calling you. Alan was calling you last week up the mountain of praise and worship. We're calling you in the morning, get up the mountain. Kick the devil, rebuke the devil when he's black dog. Don't let the depression talk to you. Kick it out. Rebuke it in Jesus' name. It will flee. Listen for the whisper and write down your three things for the day or the seven things for the day, whatever the number is, that the Holy Spirit speaks to you to do. And if you do those things, no matter how crazy you see, I promise you, you'll see supernatural, wonderful, amazing results. And finally, when you find your mouth like a runaway train, do what Elijah did, put a blanket over it, just silence it. Silence it until the tongue surrenders to what God says in his word. You begin to speak into the atmosphere. Your words and your thoughts are creative power. Start speaking. I'm going to be the most healthy young man on the planet. I'm going to be the most drug-free person on the planet. I'm going to be on fire for Jesus. I'm going to use my life to reach thousands and thousands of struggling men and women. The Lord's going to use me to do amazing things, and he will, I promise you, without any shadow of doubt. Let's stand together in the Lord's presence. Let's stand in the Lord's presence. Uh, Guys, would you allow me a little bit of naughtiness? Just before we sing that song, would you allow me to get another little bit of that riff? Because it's practice time. I'm sorry that you're a practice crash dummies, but, but it's, 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 it's just a little practice to see how it's said. You can give us a little couple of minutes that riff and then we'll sing. You can clap properly this time, guys.